This is the Coaching for Pastors podcast, episode 205. Hey, Pastor, happy Thursday. Good to be with you today. You know what the truth is? I don't really know what I'm talking about today. I mean, I know, but usually I have a real clear direction. And I've been reading through Jeremiah, and I'm, I'm just, I'm bothered by it. And I wondered if I could just kind of talk it out with you a little bit, because we're in this world that is so different than what the world has been for millennia. I mean, in the last 50 years, so much has changed. Technology and knowledge and communication, information, it has really changed us. And the truth is, the history just hasn't been written yet on what screens and technology and travel, all of this stuff, all of this stuff that's new in the last 50 to 100 years. The history hasn't been written yet on how it has changed humanity. And for that matter, how it has changed believers. And so in Jeremiah, I read something like Jeremiah 2, what is it, 11? But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Oh, I just read that and I think, oh man, have, have I done that? Have I done that with my, with my car and with my iPhone and with my world headquarters that I talk about down in my podcast studio? in my website, and, and just I can talk to people on other continents and record. And have I, have I sometimes exchanged my glorious God for worthless idols? When, when he says in, oh, what is it? I don't know, verse 19 of chapter 2, consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. And I ask myself, do my people have awe of God? Are they reverent? Well, first, of course, am I? And then I spread it out because I'm the leader, and I think, am I not engendering the awe of God and the people that I lead? And is it evil and bitter for me, for us, when we forsake the Lord our God, because we've exchanged him for a worthless idol, for money or for pleasure, for a buffet line or stuff. It's just, how do you read Jeremiah, Pastor, without it just bothering you? It just bothers me because I don't think that people change over time very much. In other words, people in the 1920s, people in the 1820s, people in the 1500s, I think people have this total depravity about them, and we don't change a whole lot. And so if the religious leaders were forsaking God 2,000 years ago, religious leaders today are probably forsaking God, and I'm a religious leader, and it makes me nervous. And and I'm, and I'm not being melodramatic. I Honestly, my friend, I'm just being honest with you. I'm being honest. When I read in 
what is it, chapter 2, verse 27, it says, they say to wood, you're my father, and to stone, you gave me birth. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. Yet when they are in trouble, they say, come and save us. Then he goes on and he says, you of this generation, consider the word of the Lord. And I wonder, God, do I read your word enough? Am I serious enough about it? Do I, do I think about it? Do I consider your word? Or am I a shepherd that just nibbles around the edges? And what meal am I giving to your people? This stuff scares me, Pastor. I don't know if this kind of stuff scares you. And I like to think I have a ministry of encouragement, and I feel like I'm not being very encouraging today. However, as I thought about talking to you, how can I not talk with you about what is so heavy on my own heart? He says, therefore, the showers have been withheld and no spring rains have fallen. And he says, Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. And I picture a Sunday morning at my church as I step up on the platform, have I returned to God with all my heart? Am I there with him with all my heart or am I, is it a pretense? Am I making a show sometimes of a guy who's supposed to be walking with God? Because they did it. And I don't think I'm that much different. And then Jeremiah says at the end of chapter 3, let us lie down in our shame and let our disgrace cover us. We have sinned against the Lord our God, both we and our ancestors. From our youth till this day, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. And I say to myself, is that ever us? Is that me? In Jeremiah chapter 3 at the beginning, Let me read this final section to you. He says in chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to her again? Would not the land be completely defiled? But you've lived as a prostitute with many lovers. Would you now return to me, declares the Lord? Look up to the barren heights and see, is there any place where you have not been ravished? By the roadside, you sat waiting for lovers. He's talking about the high places, the Asherah poles, the idolatry. He says, by the roadside, you sat waiting for lovers, sat like a nomad in the desert. You have defiled the land with your prostitution and wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and no spring rains have fallen, yet You have the brazen look of a prostitute. You refuse to blush with shame. I think about our society, Pastor, and I think how shameless we are. As a society, we we have no shame. We're guilty, and it's pointed out, and we say, so what? We just keep on moving forward. Verse 4 of chapter 3, he writes, Have you not just called to me, my father, my friend from my youth? Will you always be angry? Will your wrath continue forever? This is how you talk, but you do all the evil you can. And again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But again, I say, do I talk a certain way? 
and yet entertain evil in my life, in my thoughts, in my intentions, in my heart, in my willingness to share, in my unselfishness or in my selfishness? Do I entertain evil? Pastor, I don't know how you deal with these kinds of things. I, I mean, I know how I deal with it. Just, I'll just stop reading Jeremiah. Just go back to the New Testament. And, you know, there is some legitimacy in saying, yes, the Old Testament is littered with stories of people who attempted to live by the law, and they completely and unabashedly failed. And therefore, Jesus comes— the Son of God, fully man, fully God, and he follows the law, and he becomes our sacrifice. And therefore, we find rest in the shalom, in the Sabbath of God, who is Jesus. We find rest. But as a religious leader, as a leader of people, as a shepherd of sheep, I go back and I I look through the prophets, and I say, Oh, God, oh, dear Lord, cleanse my heart. Help me not to follow the ways where where he said, I don't know if it's Jeremiah or Ezekiel, where he says, I will be the shepherd to my sheep. You have been wicked and evil shepherds. I will come, and I myself will be their shepherd. And it is so cool that in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he says, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. I want to be a good shepherd. I don't want to be an evil shepherd. So I guess that's the hmm, that's the push and the pull. That's the tension of the Old and the New Testament, maybe, that we read the warnings in the prophets and how the people just, there was God in their midst. There was God doing miracles in front of them. And moments later, they're walking in their own path, their own direction, according to their own heart and away from God. And again, I just say, Lord, help me, help me to, at least for me, be following you, at least for me to have appropriated the blood of Jesus for my life, and at least for me to, to truly have a changed heart where I want to follow you and and not, not be ravished on the hilltop of some idolatrous desire. Well, I hope you have a great uh, rest of your day, Pastor. I mean, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, but I just had to vent a little bit. It, it's like I identify with a guy in the New Testament who says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I try to have that kind of a heart. And so I guess when I read back through Isaiah and Jeremiah and the prophets, I just say, oh God, don't I am just like them. I can be, and I and I recognize, right? And I'm sure you do too. We're, I'm probably not all that different than you. We recognize 
when, yeah, our hearts were kind of like what's being described by the prophet here. If I'm going to be honest and transparent, yes, I have had those thoughts. Yes, I've had those feelings. Yes, I've entertained those sins in my heart and in my mind, those same kinds of sins that the prophets talk about and that the religious leaders practiced. At least the proclivity toward that, the desire toward that in my heart. And I say, God, help me. Help me. I want to follow you. Pastor, thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for walking in the tension, the spiritual and eternal tension of ministry. Thanks for following Jesus. Thanks for claiming the body and blood of Christ, and proclaiming the body and blood of Christ. You have a holy calling. And when I lament what I read in Jeremiah, I rejoice what I read in the Gospels. You know, what I fear and have some anxiety over that I read in the prophets, I take solace in what Paul writes in the epistles. There's the truth. And I want to be a shepherd who draws my hope from the good shepherd. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for planting your feet, one firmly in the Old and one firmly in the New Testament, and drawing the entire counsel of God for your preaching and your teaching and your shepherding and counseling, the people that God's put in your care. May God bless you today, Pastor. And I'll talk to you again soon on the Coaching for Pastors podcast.